their future could be bright. But then you got this darkness of the housing. It's not giving them enough opportunity. Welcome to Art is Human Nature, a podcast where art meets the expert, a podcast where I, the artist, speak with people who know a lot about the ideas I try to capture in my work. I'm your host, Alexander Robinson. We're here. We're back. It's the Artist Human Nature podcast, and I'm here with a very special guest, my mom. I'm going to start at the very beginning, and then we'll like work our way forward. So first question I have for you is, what was growing up like, like your childhood and all of that? Um, growing up in childhood, it was good. I mean, it was fun. I have good memories. I am an only child, so at times it was a little bit lonely. But besides that, it was good. The difference is to say kids growing up now, we really had a childhood. Like we play outside, we ride bikes. We did so many fun things. And, you know, our parents will always tell us, make sure you come home before it gets dark. Like that was the most exciting thing. You're just staying outside and just having fun and just living and being a kid. And I mean, that... You know, my childhood for that was memorable. So I have a lot of good memories about my childhood. What would you say was one of your favorite memories as a kid? One of my favorite memories was when I was younger, I had this best friend, Brenda, and we would always make sure first day of school, we would look similar. So we would go to this one store that's in the mall, it's called Limite, which no longer exists. And we would make sure we have like similar outfits the first day and everybody knew that's what me and her would do. And it was nice. Cause again, I was the only child didn't have no brother or sister or nothing. So it was kind of nice to have this, you know, best friend that didn't mind that we look similar. So. That was one of my, you know, favorite things to do. And it's a good memory. Growing up, did you have it in your head from before? Like you wanted to have more than one kid? In my mind, when I had you first and as you were getting older, in my mind thinking, well, I don't want you to be the only child. I know what it was like. So it was, I want to have another kid. I want to actually have a big family because I find that when you have a bigger family, you have, you know, whether it's a sister or a brother, you know, you have fond memories growing up when you're smaller and someone to play with and someone to pick on and tease and all these little things that you can do and you share things and not share things. You know, all those experiences that you should have as siblings, I never had. So I always told myself when I have one child. I can't just have one child. I need more than one because I know what it's like. You know, it it's fun at times. You're spoiled, but then it gets very lonely at times. Coming back to uh, growing up, being a kid, of course, a big part of growing up is school. So for school, what would you say were your favorite subjects? What would you say was your least favorite or worst subject? So my favorite subject, obviously, is in- was English. And if we say one, we would say English. But if we say two, it was um, English and art. Like, I loved art. And my least favorite was math. I was horrible at math. I just couldn't get it. Just couldn't. 
It's funny you say that because I feel like that just might be a thing with our family. I don't know anyone in our family who's like a math whiz like that. Like we're all kind of like decent. So that's kind of funny. But I feel like another big part of growing up is music. So growing up, what would you say, or even now, what would you say is like one of your favorite artists or one of your favorite songs? There were some songs I like. I used to like, uh, there was this artist called Tiffany, but she doesn't sing today. So back then there were certain artists that I, I really liked that were like in the 80s. As for today, Beyonce, I know that sounds kind of like go-to Beyonce, but a lot of her um, lyrics, that's why I like Beyonce. It, her earlier albums, a few times I was going through some stuff and I listened to her album and I mean, I can relate to a lot of her songs. So I would say Beyonce. Thinking about it now, some of the people, like I just remember hearing growing up would be like, yeah, like Beyonce, Alicia Keys. There's like this one song that I feel like would always come on when you're cleaning. It was kind of sad, but like, it's it a nice song, but it's like... Uh, yeah, the reggae song. Yeah, and it's like, I when you cry... So I just want to pause the episode for a quick second to apologize for <laughs> what you just heard. I wouldn't call that singing, but whatever that was, I just want to apologize for that. And if you're wondering, the song we're talking about is When You Cry by T.O.K. All right, let's get back to the episode. But yes, I used to play a lot of old school mixed reggae. Yes. That's what you were listening to, mainly old school reggae. Flash forward, boom, high school. How was high school? The school that I ended up going to was uh, Bishop Allen. It was a new school, new structure and everything. And when I first went to the school, thing about Catholic school back then when I was going to school, there was not a lot of Black students, to be honest, right? So when I got to the high school, again, I experienced the same thing. There was probably maybe five or six black people. And at first I felt awkward because it was high school, right? So it was different. You had the lockers, it was more busy. It was so different. And I felt like an outcast because again, I didn't see a lot of black people, but high school itself. I mean, I had a lot of good experience. It was, you know, it was good. All the friends I did meet when I started grade nine was grade 10. So I, for some reason, I didn't meet any friends in grade nine. It was mainly people who were one grade higher than me. So I was able to hang with them and, you know, lunchtime in the cafeteria, I didn't feel left out. I was able to sit and they were older than me, sit on their table. So I kind of felt cool because I'm grade nine, sitting near the grade tens, you know? And I mean, I had a good experience. Okay, moving along, moving along. I feel like it's like, it's like a time machine. So around that time or not too long after, at some point you ended up having me. And I guess prior to that, were you ever scared to become a parent? Did you have any like fears with all of that? 100%. First of all, I don't know, even if you're an adult, if you're ready to be a parent physically or mentally. So when I got pregnant, I was 16. So I just started that high school in grade nine, uh, Bishop Allen. Then I transferred to another school, which is Father Henry Carr. And that time I was trying to just finish up while I was pregnant. So I was hiding my pregnancy. In those times, being pregnant and going to a Catholic school wasn't allowed. So unfortunately, the principal did call me down and told me, you know, 
So he knows that I'm pregnant. I try to lie about it, which was pretty obvious. My belly was getting big. And I was trying to lie and say, no, I'm not. And I think it was just for me just to finish. I just wanted to finish high school. And um, they kicked me out. <laughs> At that point, I was just thinking I was scared. But then I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to be a mother. So I was scared, but not scared. It's weird because I was going to have this human I'm going to be responsible for, take care of, give it all my love. That's how I was interpreting it. Right. So I was scared, but then also happy, you know, and I didn't I don't think in my mind I was thinking, can I afford it? Would I be able to do this? I don't think that was that it was more I have a human to love. It was more of a love thing for me. A few things kind of popped in my head. I guess the first is that's like, that's wild that the school kicked you out. Super messed up. You'd already be dealing with a lot. It's very shocking. There's a lot going on. And then to have like the school turn on you. Like that's, how was grandma when it came to that? And how was it like with like friends? Pretty much I was alone because in those times being pregnant at that age was like this forbidden fruit, basically. Majority of my friends' moms were close to grandma and they kind of just disappeared where the parents were like, I don't want you hang around with her because they looked at it. What kind of example am I setting? Like, I don't want my kid around this young girl if my child gets pregnant or something like that, which was pretty much ignorant. As for grandma, I did not tell her, be honest with you. I did not tell her till I was five months. So it was more of, I hid it as much as I can. And then I eventually told her she was obviously upset because, I mean, she wants me to finish school and, you know, and all that stuff. But she was only upset for a couple of days. And then it was just like, we're dealing with it. That's it. Do you know what I mean? So she didn't like threaten to kick me out or anything. She just was like, are you sure? How are you going to be able to, you know, take care of the baby and all these things? And I was like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. It does help that at least grandma, she kind of came around and she was at least supportive. It was like, that's a tough situation. But when it came to like names, how did you guys land on on Alexander? Your dad always liked that name. And there was one time I was at his house and back then they had like those big billboards. They still have them, but not as much here. But there's this big billboard and it said Alexander. And we're just looking out the window and he's like, oh, I wasn't pregnant at that time, but he said, if I ever have a kid, I want kid's name to be Alexander. And when I found out I was pregnant, he said he wants to name you Alexander. I was okay with that name. And it made sense as today, you know, that you have that name because to me, that name is such a, like it was successful name. It's definitely gotten me like job interviews and stuff. It looks good on like a resume and stuff. So I guess, you know, I'm born. I'm out here. I'm in the world. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's good, everybody? What was I like as a kid? You're quiet, shy. I would say you took a lot of my personality of being more reserved and quiet and shy because I was shy when I was growing up. So, yeah, you were you did give me no trouble. I think one time you try to perform at Walmart and try to throw a tantrum and I pretty much straightened you up that day. And from <laughs> since then till you're now 25, you haven't missed a rhythm since I straightened you up at Walmart. Now, 
I guess, flash forward a little bit. At this point, I'm probably like three. You guys have Alexis. And then how is that kind of dynamic? Like now there's two kids. How is that? It was tough. I mean, I had my struggles, but after I had you, I didn't give up. I went, I found a school that was nearby where we lived. That was an adult school. So I made sure I finished up and got my high school diploma. And then with uh, having Alexis, that too kind of motivated me because it was like, okay, now I have two kids. I can't be taking the bus. So that kind of more pushed me to get a vehicle because I was like, okay, I can't have one in the stroller, one, you know, because you guys were still both young, three years apart, still small. So that motivated me to... um start driving where I can drive and I don't have to take the bus anymore. So I feel like it was hard, but I was lucky with resources and support in other ways. I remember growing up with Alexis, she had uh, the, the soother, the pacifier, and like you couldn't keep that away from her. And if she lost it, it was like, she's not going to sleep. It's nothing's happening unless we get a new one. And then I remember for me, I had uh, like I would suck my thumb and I had uh, my feely like a blanket or something. I remember for me, like I had no reference point of like, oh, when is it too old to still be sucking your thumb? Right. So I didn't realize till after when I would talk with other kids <laughs> that it was getting kind of weird, like I was too old. I don't remember the exact age. I started being embarrassed about it. So stopping, it was like super hard. I remember I would go to sleep and I'd put my hand under my pillow and I'd sleep on top of my hand and I'd wake up sucking my thumb and I'd be like, damn, I'm never, I'm going to be like 50 and I'm going to be sucking my thumb. Everyone's going to laugh at me and like, <laughs> I'll just never be able to do it. But yeah, eventually I, I figured it out. But I guess it is like kind of like a complicated thing, but I guess more or less you kind of like raised us on your own. And how is that? Obviously a lot of people have the benefit of like co-parenting, raising a child with two people, and you had to do that on your own and had to work double like overtime. To be honest, I don't know half of the stuff I got through, but I made it work. I mean, you guys, dad was very difficult. There was personal things I was dealing with him. He was very abusive. And then to know that that relationship was not healthy and it wasn't okay. So I had to deal with my inner self at the same time and then raise two kids where it was like, we can have two parents, but one's not okay where he's violent and we could have two parents if I accept it or I can let go and really fight to like get away from him and then just raise you guys on my own and hope that that way would be more healthier than to have somebody that is you know, not a safe place for any of us to live with in that retrospect. So I had my struggles. I'm not going to lie, but a lot of the struggles, I try not to show you guys. I just try to do the best I can to raise both of you guys. And I try not to so much bring up your dad because I don't want to paint him out as such a bad person, but he did a lot of bad where it was just like... I, just didn't even want to tell you guys half of the stuff. I just kind of, maybe it wasn't right. I just never discussed it and kind of like, he's just not around and just never really explained everything that really happened. And I kind of just took over and just raised you guys. Yeah, I imagine that's like, that's probably like a super 
tough thing. And like you're saying, like making that that decision of uh, it would be harder, but it would be healthier for us. And of course, I think you made the right decision. And it's a very tough thing. Like you're saying, you never really talked about it too much or you didn't really talk about it like at all, really with us. Like I remember like, you know, certain fights and stuff when I was really young and uh, it's a tough thing. In retrospect, definitely made the right decision because, you know, it was toxic, right? Yeah, it was very toxic. To the point when you were one and almost two, we went back home to Trinidad and I always knew that there was, in the beginning he was very nice, but I always knew there was something up. And when we went, I made that decision, okay, I got to leave this guy. So when we went to Trinidad, we stayed extra long. You had your second birthday there and I gave him the number for emergency. And when I saw how he was calling and his behavior, cussing everybody, and all of them and just being a monster, that's when I realized, okay, this is not going to be healthy. And I'm raising a boy and I don't want him to think this is how you treat a woman, love or no love. It, you just don't treat a human being like that. And I think at that time, that's when I realized, okay, I have to leave. That's when I had to put my foot down and you were two. And when I finally got to like really, really leave, you were almost four. It took a year because it was a nightmare. So that's when I also seen for sure, okay, I made the right decision because he wasn't willing and ready to let go at all. So, so many things just made me realize my decision that I was thinking in the back of my mind, which I didn't share with anybody, that I want to leave, that this, I can't live like this, that me as a whole person, I wouldn't be good for you or your sister if I'm so broken because he broke me. I'm not going to lie. I'll be honest with you, he broke me. And I figure, okay, I'm already broken. But then I have these two kids that would not say, I won't say you guys were here to fix me. But when you have kids, there's a different type of love. And it kind of, I don't know, help avoid of what you're going through. It's almost like you put your pain and your stuff in the back burner and you're like, you have these little beings depending on you. So you're so busy with life and raising them that it's like a distraction. You're not thinking about all the bad things that are going on or the things that you're trying to fix within yourself, right? So that kind of gave me strength. I would say you and your sister really, really helped me to be where I am today. What would you say is, in your opinion, the hardest thing about raising kids? As you get older, you don't know, like there's no handbook. So anything that you do as a parent is trial and error. So you would do it a certain way. You don't know if that's going to work out. So parenting is just like, I want to say everything is hard, but it's not because there's so much joy too. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know if I would, you know, someone else would sit down and say, oh, it was hard. Yeah, but there was so much joy. So I had more joy with you guys to say there was so much hard things. So me like having you guys and knowing, okay, I got to drop you off to daycare. Then I got to rush to work. Yeah, that seemed a little bit, but that's part of life. I got to go to work. I got to drop you off to daycare. Do you know what I mean? Was it hard? Yeah, but it gave me structure. You know, it gave me a certain, so I don't know if anything was really hard about parenting but it was more as you get older I think it's more of a 
discipline. So as you guys get older and you guys can kind of make your own choices, I think that's where it gets hard because your parents could tell you certain things, but once you leave the door, I don't know if you're taking those values when you go hang out with your friends. But when you're small, the values are still there. You're still innocent. You don't know what's going on. But I think when you reach that point when you can 15, 14, you can start going outside. I think that's where it gets a little bit tricky. What is something I did or what is something I would do as a kid that would frustrate you? And what is something I would do that you loved? I think with your shyness. Yes, I would say your shyness did frustrate me at times because we'd be out and, you know, as a parent, you're trying to teach your kid, try to be independent. So I would say, okay, Alex, go over there and ask that person. Like if it's, if we're going to somewhere and it's outside a barbecue or something, a fun fair or something. And I say, Alex, go over there, give them this ticket and go get that drink. You wouldn't go. I have to drill you. You're like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't know. And it was because you were shy. You just didn't want to go and go. So that sometimes could have been frustrating because I'm like, I'm trying to teach you to be independent. But again, your personality was just really shy. And the good thing is that you were very respectful. I have to say, as a kid, you growing up, I mean, like I said, the only incident at Walmart, which that tantrum when you were small. But besides that, you know, you you listen. You were very respectful to me. And you never disrespect me as a child. Like, I just know I can count on you. If I leave you sitting in one position, that's where you would be. You would listen. You weren't rebellious. That just was never you. I feel like from what I remember, I was, I feel like I was always respectful, especially with adults. But I feel like I was disrespectful with other kids. There's like a period of time I was getting into like a lot of fights. I don't know if it was suspended maybe one or two times, but I remember like I, I got into like quite a few fights when I was younger, which is super weird for me to think about because once I got older, I just mellowed out. I know that was like a little thing for me growing up. I was very quiet unless someone really like provoked me. And then maybe because I was quiet and I didn't know how to use my words, I would I would fight. But in terms of the right direction and making sure I was like on the right path and stuff, I feel like a, a big thing was you making the decision for us to to move when we were living at Pelham. And I remember I was so mad. I was so mad. Because all my friends, right? Like my best friends were there. And I was like, ah, like, why? Why is my mom doing this? But I guess what led you to making the decision for us to move? First of all, that was temporary. It all started, again, to do with your dad. And I was staying at grandma's friend's house. Then they wanted to put me in a shelter. And that's how we got the housing was because of the domestic violence of your dad. I knew already when they gave us that place, that housing, it was temporary. It wasn't somewhere where I would want to live and raise you guys. But again, because of the circumstance, they want to relocate us. Certain things that you've seen, nobody works. Did I want that forever? Nobody, there's no structure in housing and that's thing. Nothing's wrong with housing. It helps because it helped me to get out of my situation, but it's not somewhere for you to live your whole life and grow your family, especially if you have a young man, a young boy. So with me knowing how usually Metro housing, usually young boys get into certain things, whether it's like drugs, guns, violence, all these things as I'm there, I'm just like, this is temporary. This is temporary, Nat. You could do this. And I'm just trying to figure out ways how we can leave eventually from this. So it's just 
me just seeing the lifestyle, waking up every morning, just see what people do for morning, nothing drinking. It made me feel sad and lost. So I was like, you know what? So I picked up myself, started taking courses, found a job. And that's when I was like, you know what? As you guys start to get bigger and I start to notice, like I said, again, you were very quiet. You never had an attitude, but I start to see like a certain walk that you were walking. And I was like, okay, this area is turning my son into something I don't want. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm leaving. Grandma stayed and I started looking for a two bedroom. Got lucky. It was reasonable in those times. And I just said, let's start fresh. We don't need to be in housing. I felt personally, you guys deserve better. I deserve better. And that's why I left. Now that I'm older, I can say uh, I'm very grateful for because of course there were a lot of other parents there who weren't thinking like how you were thinking and i think even from the standpoint of the school we went to was like kind of far from you know like we didn't go to the the school there and you know now that i'm older i can you know definitely say like i'm grateful even though like i was so upset when i was when i was younger and all those things you were saying that your kids can get caught up in those things literally literally happened right between my two best friends at the time i even remember that day because when we moved i remember i would always go back on the weekends to visit and then i remember there's one time i was supposed to go and you told me no and i don't think you had a reason you just like i don't know didn't feel right and I remember I was, I was mad again because I was like, oh, there's not even a reason. Like, why, why can't I go see my friends? And then I remember it was that day I was supposed to go and, you know, one of my friends was shot. Right. So, yeah, again, like I think us moving and all these things, I often think about that situation. And I would have I would have been at that exact same spot with him because I know that's that's where we would hang out. And then the other friend that I grew up with, you know, we kind of know what happened there. So no, definitely grateful now that I'm older. But I remember one thing you told me was when you first had me and Alexis, I think you told me that a lot of people doubted you, you being a parent and you being a good parent. How does it feel to know you prove the people wrong, you know, prove the haters wrong? It's hard for me to think I did a good job. I still have that doubt in my mind because, you know, your dad, the relationship with your dad. So it's just very hard for me to accept like that I did something good. I will still have in the back of my mind that I didn't do a good job, that I could have done go this way or that way. And maybe you guys would have been more successful or more whatever. I believe I just did what I felt was right. I don't know if we would consider that being successful in my haters, you know, haters will be haters, but I don't know if we'll go to that stream, but I more look at it in a humble situation where I just did what I thought was right for my kids. This is what I would want for my kids. And if I couldn't achieve it, there's got to be a way because there's always a way. Right. And even though people are like, oh, it's impossible. I'm like, no, I'll find a way. I may not tell them or tell anybody, but my action and my movements will say otherwise because I will try, you know? And even that day when I got the keys to my, that was my first legitimate place of my own, I was happy and it was like, I could afford this on my own. I think with me, it was just, I just want better for you guys. I mean, if I took you from, you know, your dad and I could survive that, I just look at, I could survive anything in that sense. So I'm just happy that, you know, you guys are doing well and doing what you want to do. And you guys never gave up. 
that's, you know, and you guys finished up school, those things, I'm very proud that you guys were able to do that. Even though in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, these kids were in a bunch of mess, but hearing from you and in my head, it probably seemed very messy, but from you or your end, you're saying, you know, it was okay. Where it was, you were able to finish up school, get your BA and all these things. It wasn't so messy. In my mind, I'm thinking it was so much mess. You guys couldn't achieve all these things, but clearly it wasn't so messy because, you know, you are where you are today and you're doing good. That makes me think of my next question, which is what advice would you give to someone who's becoming a parent for the first time? I would say never give up. Never give up. That's the main thing, because I find with parenting, too, is to push you and push your limit as a parent, too. The other thing as a parent you have to be careful, be aware of your body, be aware of the fact that sometimes after having a baby, you can get depressed, you can feel sad, but you have to know that. Don't just accept it. You have to be aware of it. So that way you can correct it, go for a walk, do things so you're not feeling under the weather, right? But as being a first time parent, you just don't stress yourself. Just go with the flow because when you have a baby, it's supposed to bring you joy, nothing more. It's not to make you frustrated. It's not to make you tired. That comes along with it when you have to wake up three in the morning to feed the baby. But the whole point of it, it's a bundle of joy. And you need to always focus on the joy. So parenting is just learning. It's for the parent really to learn, you know, and it's joy. So with the first question, there's a chance that there might be people who are going to be new parents or they're thinking about that. You know, it's great to hear from someone like you. But then also another thing as well, which I think is also important to touch on, is what advice would you give someone who has found themselves in an abusive relationship? I would say leave. And I'm going to say in a way like everybody says, just leave. I get it. It's not easy. You never just leave. You can't. When you're with someone like that, you have to watch their behaviors and their pattern. You have to map out in your mind exactly when and how you're going to leave. You can't just leave like that in those relationships. It's detrimental to you if you do it that way. So you have to set it up in a way where you have support. You have now support now is better as for before with me. There wasn't a lot of support. Shelters wasn't easy to get when you have a kid. So it was very difficult. But now once you know a shelter you go through, you can get to for domestic violence, get to a shelter linked with them, and you have everything set up in a plan how to leave, you have you leave and you never look back. You can never, when you do something like that, you can never look back. You have to know if you have one child, two kids, five kids, if you're leaving, you just got to pack all your things with your kids and just never look back and just, that's it. And make sure you have a good support system because mentally it's hard. You are going to have thoughts because again, it's good to even to talk to somebody because being in a domestic relationship for a long time could take a toll and strip you, strip you of a lot of things, of your confidence, of your self-worth, of so many things. So it's very important to have someone you can talk to and you need to do internal healing, which I didn't do. I just kind of like, you guys were my healing. I'll be honest, just being around you guys, you guys healed me in so many ways that I didn't really talk to anybody of what I went through. 
You know, I was just so busy just being happy with you guys. So main thing is to make sure you have a plan and you have a support system. Don't be scared to tell people. I was scared not letting anyone know. And I did majority of the work myself. It's good to share and let people know what you're going through because then you need the support. That's the bottom line. And I wish I told more people so I could have had a better support system. That is probably the only thing I wish I could change. But yeah, support system is very important. And I mean, always remember anybody who's going through any domestic violence is never you. It has nothing to do with you. You are not doing nothing wrong. It's the person. The person's not well, you know, and they have internal problems that they're dealing with and they are just taking it out on you. And anyone who tells you they love you and then physically hurts you, that's not the same. That's not love. Love is supposed to be a beautiful thing. So that's what I would say. It's really well said. And I'm sure there's going to be, you know, some people out there who it's really going to like resonate with them. So there's, of course, an art piece for this episode that I'm going to share with you. But the interesting thing about this art piece is the painting for this episode is based on a poem that I wrote a while back. Then, you know, looking back at the at the poem, I kind of grew into like a painting. But what I'm going to do, which is very unique to this episode in particular, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the poem that inspired the painting, and then I'm going to show you the painting. So let me grab that. All right. Poem. It's a poem reading. I feel like does. So this poem is, it's called Mama. And I guess uh, it kind of speaks to some of the things I was saying earlier, just in terms of now that I'm older, like just being grateful. And I, I've seen it with some of the people I grew up with, but knowing um, I'm very fortunate to, to have you as my mom. So, uh, so yeah, it's called Mama. All right. Swinging at the wind. A lack of vision, I needed to cool off. A rebel caught in their youth. A dream deferred, a rebel caught in their youth. You saved me, I needed to cool off. You saved me from swinging at the wind, a lack of vision, a dream deferred. And that's the poem. That's the splickety poem. Boom. If you'd like to see the artwork we're about to discuss, you'll find a link in the episode notes or you can visit artbyrobinson.com slash art is human nature. I repeat, if you'd like to follow along and see the artwork we're about to discuss, you'll find a link in the episode notes or you can visit artbyrobinson.com slash art is human nature. All right, let's get back to the episode. But... The painting for this episode. Looking at this painting, what's the first thing that uh, that comes to mind for you? This is like the whole life of living in housing. Because you have the front, that's like the townhouse of like metro housing. And then you have the kids innocently playing like the basketball and it's the park, which normally the park is usually 
in the same area is like the housing complex or the community. And reminds me of Pelham, the front and the whole, even the playground, because the structure, I think, back then was yellow. But it shows like, you know, innocence of kids at first, you know, the basketball and then the elder one. I guess. How does the painting make you feel? Makes me feel a little sad because the part where the housing is at that part and the way it looks is very like dark and very, it's not live. And it's kind of like what black and white and all these writing on the wall of it looks kind of dark. And then the top part with the kids playing, you know, you see a little bit of light and I don't know if that's like the future of the kids. So it's like there's darkness, but then their future could be bright. But then you got this darkness of the housing. It's like, it's giving them, it's not giving them enough opportunity. So it's almost like a block. Their plants, the pot is very green. So they're young and they're very fruitful, but it seems like this, where they live is very dark. So it's almost like you don't know what kind of future they may have. If you were to give a name for this painting, what what would it be? It sounds funny, but I would call it The Hood. Jeez. And then also hearing the poem and then seeing uh, seeing the painting. How do you feel about like the two of them together? Yeah, it works together. The housing is blocking these children. They have such a bright future, but then this darkness of this housing, it's almost giving them a lack. I see what you're saying. Like, you know, you were saved from certain things. So it goes with the poem. If the painting was a song, what song do you think it would be? Oh, if the painting was a song, Pull Up. Pull Up? By who? I don't know. (laughs) I just feel like it looks like a pull up song. You addressed a lot of the things I was thinking when I made it. I knew for this piece, I got to have my mom for this episode. I feel like to a majority of people, it's not super obvious, but for you, I feel like right away you're like, oh, I know that place. And I feel like a lot of these themes, those darker elements, and then, you know, all the vibrant colors at the top, a huge part of that is having that guidance and what you did for me, Alexis and Jaden, and really playing into the idea of like, you know, when people say, oh, they have a bright future. I really wanted the colors to, to pop so you could like feel that brightness and they're also throwing up west side signs i also wanted this to be open-ended but with the three kids in the painting i wanted it to represent like a, a couple of things like one it could be the same kid just older at different points in their childhood it could be three kids like me and my two best friends that grew up in pelham it could be like three siblings I wanted it to be open-ended. And then with the poem, I took the poem I read you and then I played with the arrangement of the words. And one thing I wanted to do with that is I wanted the words to kind of be like spread out in a certain way where when people try to read it, each person that sees the painting will read it differently based on just what they're drawn to. Even the fact of what's the first word that you read, there's like a subconscious thing there of what's the first word that you're drawn to. It could be the word cool. It could be swinging. It could be saved. I want 
each person who sees this painting to experience it in a different way. And I think the fact that people don't know exactly how to read it, they're left to kind of read it their own way. The hope is that it becomes personal to each person that sees it. And also, I feel like you kind of got into this earlier as well, but the dark elements and then you have like these vibrant, bright colors and whether it's a parent, a guardian or some sort of role model that really helps the brightness and the vibrant colors overpower the darker elements. But then on the flip end, like you were saying, where it could also be the parent who's kind of maybe dealing with like some of the darker elements and it's the kids that kind of save them. And, uh, you know, it's like they save each other. But yeah, that's pretty much my thinking behind the piece. But I was hearing that. What, what do you think? I see it. And that was the first thing I seen because when I seen all the bright colors on top of like the kids, that's where I was coming with that, where they have a bright future because it's so bright, right? And overpowers their darkness. Like you did a good job. I really like this painting. I really do. Thank you, mom. You know, like over the past couple of years, I've been doing these paintings with the flower pots. And this painting that you're seeing is the last one. So after this, I'm going to be doing a different thing. How do you feel? Because I feel like you've, you've seen me do these paintings for a while. How do you feel about this being the last one in that series or the, the end of that story? I don't know. I like the potheads. So I'll miss your pieces with the potheads. But I mean, again, it kind of makes sense because the potheads, the whole point of pots, they grow. So this is an example of you growing. So yes, this is what you started off with first. And I guess now as growth happens, you're moving on to something else different. So I feel it's fitting, but I will miss the pots. No, me too. Okay. So is there anything you want to leave the people off with? Be good to yourself. That's it. Love yourself. Put yourself first. It's not selfish. Self-care, self-love. And I mean, if you have a dream, go for it. And the thing about it too, we have a lot of self-doubt and we need to stop the self-doubt and just try. That's it. That's all I have. And never give up. Thank you, mom, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for raising me. Thank you for being a phenomenal parent. And thank you for being so much of an awesome parent that I only needed one. Thank you, mom. Aw, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. This concludes Art is Human Nature. To see the artwork for this episode, visit artbyrobinson.com slash artisthumannature. Until next time.